Episode 88, everybody. Daniel Perez, who is a financial analyst uh, specializing in valuations, but most importantly, my sister's boyfriend. And that's probably what he's best known for these days, Rena's boyfriend. So Rena's boyfriend, episode 88, everybody. A lot of information when it comes to money and finances. That's kind of what we focus on. Uh, so if you are interested in that business, financial sector, then you will absolutely love this episode. Uh, he sheds a lot of light into the industry, the financial industry, and gives some good advice uh, on what to do for these young people that are looking to you know, put away money and where to put their money, those kind of things. So uh, great episode, great time with DP, um, and hopefully you guys will find value in it like I did. With that said, hit subscribe. Do not proceed until you subscribe to the podcast, and then as once you do, like always, please sit back, relax, and welcome the one and only Daniel Perez. The Optimal Life. Uh, but how's life, man? Everything's good? Everything's great, man. Yeah? Never been better. What's new? What's new and exciting? Just graduated college recently, so... That's crazy. Yeah, man. What was that thing that you guys did? You did the... Um, the uh, CFA Research what, Down in New, New York City, wasn't it? Yeah. You go yeah. up on stage. What exactly is it? So it's uh, it's an academic competition that is uh, it spans the globe. Mm-hmm. Basically, they break it down into societies, little uh, local societies, and um, it's called the Charter Financial Analyst Institute. And they basically select universities within these jurisdictions to conduct an equity research project on a particular stock. And it starts out at a local level. They have these schools compete. And the winner of each local competition advances to a regional level and then on to a global competition. Where'd you guys go? How far did you go? We went all the way to the global competition and we uh, we finished one level behind the top five teams in the world. So wow. started at 1,100 teams and then they narrowed it down to, to five and we finished in the top ten. That's incredible. Yeah, man. What was the experience like for you? Incredibly challenging. I always knew that uh, you know I like the finance industry, I like the investment world, and, and analysis really is you know part of that. But... Uh, you know, and I always knew that we had the right stuff at Little John Carroll University, but uh, to be able to go on on a world stage like that and to compete against some of the best schools, not just in the United States, but across the world, was a very rewarding and humbling experience. How many people are you doing this in front of? So originally, you know, at each time you advance, uh, the rooms get a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started out, I want to say, with just three judges and a couple of people from the subject company that we were analyzing at the local level and then when we got on to New York it was rooms full of 50, 100, 200 people. And when you give a presentation or a speech or anything like that, do you get the jitters beforehand? Sometimes it depends on how well I am prepared. Like the anxiety feelings? Sure, absolutely. I mean, yeah. any I feel like everybody does. If you don't If you don't, right? There's something wrong with you. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Because there's times where I'm about to go on stage mm-hmm. and give a presentation in front of like two, three hundred people and I'm like, God damn, dude. I'm fucking... This doesn't feel good. I don't like this feeling. Yeah. And then once you get up there and you start going, you realize it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. It almost becomes fun in a weird way. Absolutely. Right? You feel like, you know, the world's not going to open up and swallow you whole. You know, well, that's the thing. Yourself. But what? But they say, like, getting in front of people and talking is, like, the number one fear for majority of people. Sure, yeah. But why is that? I think it goes hand-in-hand hand with people don't like to, to be judged. And people are always concerned, what is the audience going to think of me the moment I get on stage and start talking? That's exactly know? it. Yeah. It's that fear of judgment. Yeah. It's that fear of being, everyone's looking at me. Everyone's thinking something. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You know, comparison. When you compare, I just had this conversation last night. Comparison is a thief of joy. Sure. One of my favorite quotes of all time. I've actually thought about getting it tattooed. Really? 
because it's such a when you think about that quote if we as human beings don't have the capacity to compare ourselves to anything don't you we'd always be happy we'd always be content because we don't have the ability to say well this person is doing this and I'm only doing that. You know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. You can a little bit more freely and not be so concerned with uh, the horse next to you in your race, you know? And that's what makes this whole social media thing so tricky and, and screws everybody up these days because what is Instagram? What is Facebook? It's going on and, and by default, you're going to compare yourself to whatever you see. Sure. You know, you're going to see somebody doing something that you're not. And automatically, I think our brains go, well, we're, I'm not doing that. Damn, that kind of sucks. Mm -hmm. I don't get to do that. I don't get to go there. This person's living a better life than me. We automatically start comparing ourselves. And I believe that it's really had a major, major negative impact on, on this society, especially these young kids coming up. Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's, it's sometimes you're comparing your life to other people's, and it's people that... Either, you know, are just doing it for the, the, the Instagram, the glam, the fashion, the, the idea, but they're not really living for the moment, you know? You see this all the time when you go out and you see people taking pictures of their food, you know, before they enjoy it, or... Driving around cars that they don't own. They don't own. <laughs> <laughs> right? Absolutely. Right? Getting in front of houses that they don't... You know, showing a pool that they don't own, or... It's almost comical, and I'm sure you've heard about these businesses now that offer that as a service, you know, you can... Uh, what do you mean they offer... You can get on board a private jet that's that never takes off and just you know take no. a quick picture. Oh yeah. Oh, so yeah. like their business model is, hey, come here for a half hour, mm -hmm. take a picture and or pictures, yeah, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. So what do people do with that? What do you think they're trying to do? Yeah, you know, beat on their chest, trying to make themselves feel better about themselves. I mean, some people just like the gratification of it. You know, they like the the being perceived a certain way sure even though it's not real yeah how about the people that that change their bodies and everything let's pull the waist in yeah tuck it in a little bit <laughs> photoshop it. i mean show the six pack that you don't have yeah right yeah it's crazy i mean that's why a lot of these uh photo editing sites exist and, and people use them you know these photo it's insane but there's something to me is that okay so you don't look that way you're going to perceive that you do and let's say you're trying to go out on a date with somebody sure you know and you're this this girl and you're doctoring yourself up and you look one way in these pictures and then this guy who's on the other end is going oh, man i can't yeah this is going to be this is going to be fun i get to finally take this hot chick out yeah. and then they, he shows up and you look nothing like like the picture sure what are they that's called? terrible that's that, that's why what, what's the that's worse yeah. you know what i mean yeah. you'd rather look better in person and worse in the picture yeah yeah under promise, over deliver. You know, Jeez, man. but what do they call that now? Catfishing? Or you, you what is that somebody? exactly? Catfish. I guess when you when you try to perceive yourself as one way on social media, and then in, in reality you're not that way. Usually in appearance, I believe that's that's the term. Catfish. I'm trying to figure out what the, why what the term where that comes from. Catfishing. You know, if I've I, heard it. If but. I had to guess, I would probably say because you know when you're when you're fishing for catfish they're underwater you don't really see what they look like as you're pulling them out uh, so you put your hand in their mouth and i guess by yes, the tug yes. you probably think you're pulling out a 25 pounder <laughs> and then you bring it <laughs> that's out hilarious. Like little, that's so that's so perfect you're right i, I think i mean i'm not 100 <laughs> you're sure. right you don't know exactly what's on the other end of that of that pole yeah and that's the same thing here is it's like you don't understand what is exactly on the other end of of that of that phone of that screen of that text it's 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 crazy and and these people they're all doing it now because they see somebody else looking a certain way online mm -hmm. 
And then again, back to the comparison thing. Oh my God, this girl looks like I need to look like that. Well, that girl's probably doesn't look like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely, like that girl, yeah. and then automatically we compare ourselves. We feel worse about ourselves because we look like we're 10 pounds or 20 pounds overweight, even though we're not, mm -hmm. because you just saw a doctor, a picture that you don't realize is doctored up. Now you're comparing yourself. Now you're, you, you change your lifestyle and you start doing things to try to make yourself. It's a vicious cycle. I was just going to say it's that. It's a vicious yeah, cycle. It's, it's just a circle, you know? It is. And it, it's ridiculous. It's a, it's a one way ticket to nowhere, too. You know, it's. It's never a healthy thing to do when you're trying to be somebody else or even trying to compare yourself. We're all unique. We all have our own flaws. And sometimes I, f I find that the happiest people are the ones who accept that and embrace that. Yeah. Just work with what they got. It's, tr it's so true. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer that the, that the social media for the kids is not a good thing. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's not. I mean, I, I, even the other day, Ariana was asking us, hey, how many likes did this picture get? And I'm going... I said, Aria, I said to her, enough with the with the like crap. It doesn't matter how many likes the picture got. Sure. But that already at nine years old, you're, these kids are already going, how many likes did it get? And then 10 minutes later, how many more likes did it It just starts happening, bro. That's where it starts happening. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, you really opened up my eyes to how kids are affected by it, obviously being a father of three daughters, you know. You never think about how, how this impacts a young mind who's not mature enough to make these decisions and to discern between what is reality and what is you know just fake or fictional so right you've definitely opened up my eyes to that and it's a very interesting it's point. amazing seeing kids use technology too oh yeah there's that there's a lot of benefits to it you know you put a a, a person who's in their 50s or 60s and you put them in front of a computer or try to teach them how to use some new type of software they're completely lost sure yeah you put a, a 15 year old kid in front of that same software Within no time, that kid's got it figured out. It's incredible, you know, and I think a, a lot of it comes with the ability to just be open to new ideas. I think older people are usually, you know, kind of in their little box, and it's hard for them to adapt to these new these new devices or this new software, and they're afraid they're going to break it. If you ever watch an old person text, they're like, you know. <laughs> it's so true. They're, they're afraid they're going to break it. Looking at it. <laughs> what is it? The, have you ever seen, like the funniest thing was uh, you'd see the the older generation their text messages they've got like two words on the screen yeah the fucking words are so goddamn big <laughs> it's so insane true. have you ever seen somebody it's crazy text. yeah, yeah the, the large, large text no wonder they hate it it's crazy I like I'm sitting on a plane and I sometimes just try to like look at people I'm nosy and I'm bored and so I'm like looking around at people's I don't know why it's one of these things I do on a, on an airplane I'll be sitting there. Someone's sitting across the aisle, like in the a row in front of me. Sure. And I'm sitting on the other aisle seat, and I'm just like, huh, what is that person doing? You know? Absolutely. And they're just texting and typing, and, and I look at their screen, and it's like, there's like two words. Like, <laughs> no wonder why you're right. Why you hate this, this crap? You don't use it the right way. No. That's the problem. That generation, the, our parents' generation, does not, um, they don't know how to embrace the technology. Absolutely. Absolutely. All the technologies that have been put in front of them that have been created over the last like twenty years, they just don't embrace it. Sure. You know, how's uh, what what what's going on with um with with his school now? So you're going back. Speaking of technologies, you're doing online or you're doing in cl in class. So I'm going to do in class for the MBA. I okay. feel like uh, a lot of the the major reasons why people go back and get their master's degrees is usually because of the networking benefits. So you want to be in a classroom setting where you can engage with other people, people who are a little bit you know further along in their careers than you, and just have an opportunity to network with them, and also to be in a in a position where 
you can exert your intelligence and see what you have to bring to the table and work with different people to solve uh, the same you know complex challenge. So I think I'm going to go back uh, in class and mm -hmm. just tough it out. It's only about a year, and uh, now Dude, aren't you so tired of school? Oh my gosh, yeah. Oh yeah, but it's not going to get any easier the later you know you go. And uh, nowadays, you know, we have the benefit of it being they model it to the needs of their students. So nowadays, people work full time jobs. And luckily for me, you know, they offer the MBA at, at night. So that's huge. Yeah. So what do you ultimately want to do? Uh, I definitely want to own my own business one day. It's, it's kind of hard to pinpoint exactly what I want to do immediately with that. But uh, I mean, it's such a vast world, especially in the world of, of finance. There's so many different hats you could wear. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's kind of been this process of elimination. I figure out what I don't want to do, and eventually I figure out, okay, I, this appeals to me. I'm good at this. Let me try that. So, what are you doing now? So right now, I'm working for an accounting firm. And I do valuations. I value closely held businesses. So okay. A lot of financial modeling, financial analysis. What is um, so you're doing valuations? What is the, what are what's the market? What's the market like these days? What, what kind of EBITDA? What kind of what kind of multiples are people getting for their for their companies? It's actually crazy. It's never been so high. I, I would say probably between an 11, 12 times. No. Yeah. For, it depends on the industry, but uh, you know the companies that I value. Usually people, when they acquire another company, like to see 11 times, 12 times EBITDA. And that's usually a sign of pretty good earnings. Really? Yeah. They're, is, getting, they're getting those kind of numbers? Yeah. I mean... Why, why is it so high? What's going, what's going on in the market to make you know, it that I, way? I think a lot of it could be just from the ease of access to the internet and to online marketing and being able to get your product in front of so many different people uh, for relatively cheap as compared to what it used to be. And I think also the fact that, uh, you know, obviously not in relation to EBITDA, but just in general, the corporate tax rate is going down. Companies are able to shield a lot more of their revenue than they were previously. What is it now? Uh, it's 28% now, down from, from wow. about, you know, 40. 40-ish? Yeah. That's yeah. a big jump. Huge. Yeah, that huge. is huge. That was the, that was Trump? That was part of this in Absolutely. past couple of years? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. so the corporate tax rate's gone down. Yeah. People are realizing that, that, uh, that, you know, you can make your you can make money back on these companies more quickly than you used to, right? Sure. Yeah. So they're basically saying you got to pay me for at least a decade worth of earnings. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And they're getting. What kind of industries are you valuing? So the, that's the beauty of what I'm doing now. It, it's really uh, you know whatever company comes to us and wants to know what the value of their business is. So I'm looking at every industry, every type of company in that industry. Uh, the benefit of being in the small and closely held business world is the fact that most individuals have a lot of their assets tied into their business, especially small business owners. So mm -hmm. oftentimes uh, we'll have an individual, hey, just wants to know what, what is my business worth? You know, Other times there'll be a, a divorce settlement where by law we have to figure out here's what the assets are worth so we can divide it up equally. And then other times they're just you know transactional based. So one company wants to acquire another and they want to know what the assets are worth. How do you, what's the process? Is there a general process for all companies? Like where do you start in evaluation and how does it go from that to the final product? Sure, it's a great question. So it all it revolves around information. So we work very closely with the subject company to acquire first their financial statements. Five years back and obviously some pro forma statements looking out into the future. And uh, once we conduct a thorough analysis, we usually input that data into a, a financial model, if you will. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's a discounted cash flow model or a relative valuation model, but we basically want to put the numbers up and see, you know, can we compare apples to apples, what the cash flows are doing, what the value of the business is, where are they, you know, light, where are they heavy, and uh, basically along that line, you make an assumption, you determine about, you know, how they're performing, 
And then also we like to compare them to other publicly traded companies. Obviously the publicly traded space has a lot of other companies covering them mm -hmm. and the information is very readily available. So, you know, let's say we're taking Nate's business, ABC, we can compare it to publicly traded companies that you've heard of and say, hey, and you know, in this particular space, this is what these companies are doing. This is how you measure up. Interesting. Yep. So how many years back do you typically go? Usually we like to go back about five years. I think that gives us a nice robust look of how, you know, here's the normalization of their, their So if a company costs. like five years ago made a million dollars and then four years ago lost money and then, you know, the last three years made a little bit of money, do, do you take an average between all five years or is it trending or is it not one size fits all? Like, how does that work? Sure. So it's all based, again, on the subject company itself and what we're seeing in the economy. So obviously every business is going to have that wave up and down, up and down. And it's your job as a financial analyst to normalize what's going on, mm -hmm. to be able to justify it. Right. Obviously, you know, it's not an exact science. Sometimes it's more of an art. And that's really what I like about it is that. It requires your own intuition and your own logic to say, hey, here's what's going on, and here's why I think that is. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, I'm the one who's signing my name on the valuation, and that could be held up in court. How long will it take you to do a valuation? So, again, you know, it depends on the company and how mm -hmm. prepared they are with their documents. But uh, once I've received everything, I can conduct one out, and I crank one out in a day or so. No, that quickly. Yeah. Yeah, it's just putting the information in and just looking at it and speaking with the company to make sure that, hey, this is what I'm thinking. You know, is there anything going on in the company you want to tell me uh, in terms of what you guys are doing, new management, new products? And then from that point on, we, we so, a report. And I know it's every, every business is different, but if you have like, um, when you're doing a valuation in a company, are you typically pulling out like executive salaries or like a business owner's? If a business owner's taking a lot of cash and you know that the next ownership probably won't be taking it, like how does that kind of stuff work? Sure, so one of the things we also value is employee stock options. And in okay. small businesses, it's not too uncommon to see that upper management gets compensated in the form of, of stock options. So we usually conduct a evaluation for that just to see, hey, you know, here's what the companies can expect to pay their management as of a certain grant date of those options. So yeah, we usually like to see that and to, and to make sure that you know, the manager's obviously being compensated accordingly and to what extent. So who, who's worth. hiring you? The business owners that are looking to see what their business is worth? Sure. Thinking about selling? Sure. That kind of thing? It's usually, you know, the business owners themselves, they're, they're CFOs. It could also be uh, private equity firms that are in the space of trying to acquire another company. And then other times it's, it's just attorneys who, you know, hey, I got a case and I have to figure out what these assets are worth so I can divide them up equally. Huh. Yeah. It's a very unique space. Uh, but uh, when you're doing an evaluation, you're not just giving them a number. Aren't you giving them like a whole booklet of right an sure. analysis? And Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I really take pride in is when I take these complex models and really, you know, I hate to say dumb it down, but put it in a language in layman's terms that, that anybody can read, whether if it's a CFO or just, you know, secretary of the company. Mm -hmm. And usually those documents are anywhere from, you know, 70 to 100 pages. And we highlight... Uh, you know, what the company is doing, what the economy is doing. We highlight some of the things like the Trump tax bill. And uh, basically all of those factors play into how you derive this value. Where is the market going in the next five years? It's a great question. It's very tough <laughs> to tell, man. 
I know it tell. is, but you're 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 about as much of an expert as anyone I've ever had on this on this podcast. So, yeah. what do you think? Usually, when we do our projections, we don't like to go out any more than five years because mm-hmm. it's a very slippery slope to project that far. But you know, I would say it all it all depends on what's going on with okay, he's China. He's going to get politically correct here. I think he's yeah. going to flee right in the middle of the road. Oh, I'm okay, going to try yeah, to. He's going to stay in that middle lane. That's benefited me more times than not. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think it all depends on what's going on with China and the rest of the world. As you see, you know, one one t- wrong tweet from the president, the market takes a slump. And on that's the other hand, crazy. Yeah, I've never seen that's so much insane. power with with, with one, one freaking tweet. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But on the flip side, I mean, he tweets out. And talks with China, and then the market shoots back up. So it's, it's didn't the Dow have like a record day the other day? Yeah, something. Yeah, was that on July fourth? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, they're doing. I mean, it, it's insane just seeing the volatility. So you think that with this with this administration, the market's going to continue to go in the right in this trending in a strong direction? I mean, it's been better than it's been in a long time. It seems like sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's that slippery slope of too much regulation versus not enough. I think at the end of the day. The market is comprised of so many companies that all are aiming for the same objective. They all want to be successful. They're all putting the right people in place. Yeah. And I think more so than not, they try not to cut corners. But at the end of the day, you do need a whistleblower in place, and you just got to make sure that, hey, everyone's doing their part. What do you mean when you say a whistleblower in place? You know, you need some regulation in the market. Obviously, you know, a free market left to their own devices, you're going to have a lot of you know shady activity, as we saw in 2008, and you know you can create a lot of damage doing that so there is some regulation that were what was in 08 that specifically that so that was the uh the housing crisis and the where the the, bubble burst right yeah so the big banks were you know cdos and mortgage-backed securities and obviously they were insuring those those bad securities and they they brought down some of the largest insurance companies how much fraud is out there it's crazy right? a lot a lot it's gotta be yeah i remember reading the economist they said uh something like two trillion dollars a year is paid out just in terms of bribes no, just in shit. terms of bribes around the globe. So, two trillion, two trillion with a T. Yeah, yeah, and in a lot of countries, that's just the way business is done. I mean, there is regulation in Japan and in China, and but that's just how they do business there. Where you're talking about like a kickback yeah. or a hand-me-down or something like that. That's just that's just a way of life. Yeah. So the Japanese have a term for it. They call it yaucho, where it's. It's just simply the the cost of doing business, you know. You scratch really? my back, I scratch yours. Yaucho. Yaucho. Damn, dude. Yeah. We do that here. You get fucking thrown into the <laughs> get thrown into the can for a long time. Yeah. But it, there's so many people, man. There's so many people that are in power that just abuse it. Sure. And it's just you know you'd like to believe that if you were ever in the same position, you wouldn't. Mm-hmm. But how do you really know if you would or wouldn't until you get put into those positions? That's a great point. You know, not everyone's been tested. That's what it is. We all, I think we all have a moral compass, you know, some more than others. Sure. We want to believe that we're good. I think we want to believe that we're righteous people, majority of people. Some people are like, fuck it, I'm I'm a piece of shit. (laughs) I'm just a piece of shit. Exactly. But I think majority of people um, hold themselves in a certain light and want to believe that they're naturally a good person and that they want to do well. And because you see so many times that those are the same type of people that end up finding themselves in these weird situations where they're kind of not doing what they're supposed to be doing and then oh, I'm just going to do this little thing you know cuz it's I'm just going to help this guy out sure and then that little thing leads to a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger and then next thing you know you're like in a full blown f- fraud like you're scandal. just living in a fraud like yeah. a scandal you're taking money you're stealing you're you know you're spending taxpayer dollars if you're in like a government position and sure 
you hear this shit all the time. These guys taking money and, and going to Vegas and doing these these trips and yeah, it just happened here in Cleveland a couple of years back, right? With yeah. the Demora, Demora, all yeah. those guys. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, in the words of my father, if you can't beat them, join them. So I think that sometimes <laughs> people uh, they they take that assumption, but um, how I, about in government, especially well, in government? I'll tell you the. This is what I love about people here in the United States. We think that there's. The U.S. is so like almighty and, and and all this like our government's like the the only thing that's not corrupt. That's what so many people think our government just pretends that they're not corrupt. Sure, yeah. All the other people they just say we're corrupt. Yeah, exactly. You know they what I mean? Like it. all those other like you just said, Yaucho yeah. and yeah. all those other like that. That's just the way shit gets done. We pretend that that we're that we're good people, and meanwhile, there's more corruption in the U.S. government probably than there is in majority of countries across this Absolutely. across the world. At the end of the day, you know, people are people. And uh, that's just what it is. We're and all you the give same people, you give people power, mm-hmm. and you put them into a obscure part of the market, and they kind of are shielded from certain things. They're going to do stuff. They're going to do things that you're going to be disappointed in. Sure. Yeah. And just to build on what you said, I mean, it starts out small, and then gets gets a little crazy from there. What do you think about the stock market? Very interesting times, I think. Very interesting. Like I said before, with the 11 times EBITDA, you're seeing a lot of, mm. of very overvalued companies, I think. Not everybody can perform at that level. And, uh, you know, especially building on what I said before with the tweets, it's become more about market timing than it is about the actual fundamentals of the company. Because you can have a particular company like, let's say, Apple, which they do very well. They sell valuable products and people are still buying their stuff. But they have so much dependence on their value chain overseas that one wrong tweet could send that top that stock tumbling down. That's crazy. Yeah. Look the difference it. between success and failure, man, it's this. Yeah. It's literally. a blurred line. Yeah. It's a tiny little blurred line. Absolutely. When you say EBIT, explain EBITDA. So it's earnings before income taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Right. And it's essentially that raw number that gives you an idea of what the company is earning before some of those major expenses that every company has. So to why pay. do most companies use that instead of like a net income multiplier? So net income is is affected differently by your tax margin, by how many assets you're depreciating, by by how many assets you're depreciating, or you know what your amortization is. So. You want to see that earnings multiple. It tells you a little bit about here's what we're doing in terms of how much we're selling and how much money we're bringing in. It gives you a real indicator of like real cash flow at the company, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a very the best indicator. Number. Yeah. Across the board because it allows you to compare apples to apples a little bit easier than a net income would. Smaller Why business. is that? Because smaller businesses sometimes they pay more out in tax than some of the larger corporations do. Uh, larger corporations are obviously have lobbyists and are able to write down a lot of their debt. For example, some companies have uh, you know negative tax bills where they're paid to do business, like GE, mm-hmm. where uh, whereas you and I could be selling just as much as GE, but we don't have that kind of weight that we throw around or that many employees, and uh, therefore we end up paying higher tax brackets. What's the capital gains now? Like twenty? You know, I'm not too sure on the. I think, it went, I think it went down too. Yeah, yeah. They got rid of the death tax. I'm pretty sure. I'm not as certain on that either. I think so. Yeah. That that was a that was a big fucking sham too, man. Yeah, I mean, the, Trump's all about passing generational wealth. You know that that estate plan, the state tax, and and all of that stuff is really a big priority for him, and especially you know for any wealthy individual. Yeah, wow, it's a huge deal. What a market, man! What a time! What a time oh, yeah. to be involved in that kind of world. Yeah, it's probably the best time to Absolutely. do it, right? I mean, look, people like uh, you know companies like Tesla too are doing very interesting things. You know, uh, 
one one tweet from him, and it's like the market's <laughs> you going. You see him on uh, Joe Rogan's saw. podcast. Oh yeah, Elon Musk. Oh yeah. yeah, that was pretty wild. How shocking for a CEO to, to be doing that <laughs> kind of stuff. They're smoking a little weed. Yeah. Didn't like the whole like the company's uh, stock just tanked. Yeah. After that. And he didn't give a fuck. No, no, he he's not even it. on the board anymore, no, right? He, he was. Threw he, him they, off. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. And I mean, think about you know in terms of ethics, you know, you you have a lot of people's livelihood tied Jeez, into your company dude. and uh, in your hands, and you're sitting there smoking weed. Ah, this is kind of nice. Dude, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so crazy. you know, let me ask you an interesting question. Do you believe that if you're in a position like that, a CEO's position, you should be held accountable for what you say in the public eye and what you do in the public? I eye? I do actually. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in that to that magnitude, I mean, you're you're in charge of a, a multi gazillion organization. Mm-hmm. People have a lot of stock invested in it. People's lives are on the line. I mean, th- how many people do they employ across the world? I'm sure a ton of thousands, tens of thousands of people, sure, probably. Yeah. And again, all your shareholders and that kind of thing. When, when you're in a position like that, you, you have no choice but to hold yourself. The, the, the rules are not the same. Absolutely. The rules are not going to be the same. And that's just kind of what you signed up for. Like, you know when you're putting yourself in that position, especially of a publicly held company like that. And, mm-hmm. yeah, man, you can't live the same life that, that, that you know, Joe Schmo, the guy that owns his own construction company or something like that, or sure. owns his own steel yard. And, like, that guy's going to live a lot can kind of get away with a lot more than what you can get away with. Absolutely. That's just the way it goes, man. Mm-hmm. You want to make $20, $30 million a year and be a big shot and put yourself out there, it comes with the territory. It's the same thing with like politics. It's a great You're point. Ba- basically living underneath the microscope. Like you can't just go out and have a glass of wine, especially now. Like, because nowadays, a politician sitting there drinking, someone's going to snap a picture of him, put it out online, mm-hmm. and say, look at, look at Joe Biden over there drinking a glass. And the guy's just innocent. He's probably just enjoying a glass of wine with, with a steak dinner. But, you know, now, with the, the scrutiny that's out there, take a picture, put it out there, and who knows? People people will spin anything. Man. Absolutely. You know? Could so that's kind of that's kind of my that's my take on that. Couldn't Would agree you, with you. Yeah. Could you not agree with you more. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It just comes with the territory, man. And I would—that's—that's that's one thing I would never want to do. That no. I would never want to be in politics. I wouldn't want anyone in my family in politics. I wouldn't want—I wouldn't even want to be a, a CEO of Boeing or or Lockheed Martin or one of these because you live under a microscope, man. You can't just live a normal life. Absolutely, it comes with the territory. Now, listen, it? hey, twenty million, one or two years. <laughs> Retired. You're set, man. Yeah. You're set. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, what's the magic number right now? If you want somebody wants to retire, they come to you and they say, "Hey, I need how much money do I need to live comfortably for the rest of my life?" What's the number? I think it depends on your lifestyle. You know, obviously for me that would be a very low number. Right. Know? But uh, for some individuals, they want the the big mega yachts. They let's want assume. To- let's assume for a normal person, because I remember that when I was when I was in the agent business and we would talk to financial advisors. They would always say the magic number was like five million, because mm-hmm. you could live off of probably what three to five percent of that, yeah, an interest, yeah. an interest, interest tax free, pretty much. So you can make a good one hundred fifty thousand tax free mm-hmm. on like five million, right? Sure. You can make that annually without paying, you know, tax free, which is more like two fifty, give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, is that number? Has that number gone up? Is is five million not enough now? Sure. I mean, I remember reading. They said, you know, if you're in your sixties, they expect the average person who's retiring to have at least a million dollars in savings, and that's really what is really? required. Yeah, a million in savings. A million in which savings. Which is what? What? What could that be involved? In? That could be stocks. 
That could be insur- like a, a insurance. Bonds. 401k. 401k. IRAs. I mean, the, the whole gambit. And the reason that is a lot because of the would, that, would, would equity in a home count? I think so. Because it, it is your cash, technically? It, yeah, absolutely. And okay. I mean, it's, it's a relatively easy to sell asset. It's not the easiest, but right. it has And you value. could always take money out. If you own, you know, right? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. A million dollars, huh? Yeah. And I think a lot of it's because of the healthcare costs that have increased so dramatically over the last several years. I mean, people are living longer, and the cost of taking care of those people is not. But what about out. somebody that's like forty or fifty years old and just, you know, is doing well? Yeah. If they come to you or they say, "Hey, I've got five million dollars. Is this enough to live modestly? Is this enough for the rest of my life?" I would hope so. If yeah. not, I mean, the economy's in serious <laughs> trouble. So. <laughs> in serious trouble, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, especially, you know, is what, like what you said. As long as you're putting your investments in a good place and you are, you know, living within your means, there's no reason why that money can't, can't serve you until the day you die. What, what's an uh, average return now, like on a tax-free bond? Is it like around 3%? Uh, 3% on, a, on the, the long yield ones, you know. Which tw- is what, 20? 20 years. 20 years but uh, so you can't take that money out for 20 years is that how that works no usually they, they pay you in coupon payments but uh, you know 3% the longer you go the longer the duration of the bond the more interest rate you're going to see and obviously that's just because there's more risk involved Okay. I think they're right around they're hovering around the 2.8 2.9 and they change every day so they do yeah Yeah. it's all depending on what the economy is doing if the government decides they want to buy back bonds you might see that price change. if someone's got 100 grand they come to you where, where would you where would you if where would you tell them to put their money right now? So the first thing is I would definitely tell you to diversify. I feel like that's the golden rule. You, you should have a the good split. The big D word, capital yeah. D. Yeah. yeah. You got to have a split. You don't put all your eggs in one basket ever. Uh, usually, you know, in, in terms of percentage, I would probably tell you if you're a little bit more aggressive, if you're a younger person, probably 60 to 70% in the equities market across a wide range of different stocks in all the various sectors. Depending on the timing or how long you're going to leave that, that money sitting in that particular portfolio, I would put into certain sectors. One, I would heavily weight one sector over the other, depending on what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And then the rest, I would spread around, either in the emerging markets or in bonds. Interesting. But for the average individual who doesn't have a huge investment portfolio, I think everyone has the benefit of either a 401k through your job or an IRA. You know, Those are tools that anybody can open up, anybody you can You know utilize. what's crazy, man, kind of jumping around? Sure. <clears throat> I just saw this statistic the other day. Something like... You probably know this. Like, a vast majority of people are like four hundred dollars away from. Like, they don't even have an emergency fund of like five hundred dollars. I saw some crazy stat. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. What is it? Like one out of every two people or something are like a four hundred dollar emergency away from having nothing. Yeah, I mean something like that. In Warren Buffett's words, you know, we're a broke nation, and what he means by that is the average individual couldn't go three paychecks without being in debt. So if you think about that, look at your life and say, hey, if I The average paid, individual can't go three paychecks. So what? you're talking about a six-week period, right? Because yeah. you're talking about bi-weekly. Okay. Yeah. Six weeks, and then you'd, you'd be in the hole. Yeah. If you think about that, that is a broke nation. You know? Wow. Yeah, and it's, I think something like six out of ten people don't have less than $1,000 in savings. In savings, yeah. Sure. And in fact, most people have debt. You most know? people don't even have, right, most people don't even have a positive. They're in the, they're in the red. Yeah. Yeah, wow. and a lot of that has to do with obviously the the cost of living, but also the ease of getting credit That's cards. The thing. And you and I were just talking about this the yeah. other day. Yeah, how can the world is somebody going to get a credit card for ten thousand dollars on a credit line and they don't even have a fucking job? Yeah, yeah. People are getting approved for half million dollar houses that have hourly incomes that pay them you know ten fifteen bucks an hour. 
It's, is that it's right? Crazy, yeah, yeah. Even mortgages now, after everything that happened in that crisis back from ten years ago, yeah, it's starting to come back around. People, the Absolutely. banks are getting desperate again. They're, they're clever, man. <laughs> they don't pay those guys all the big bucks to sit around and not be creative, dude. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I just think that to myself, like that is crazy. These numbers are crazy. These. That's why it's so important to be, you know, not just for a financial analyst, but for anyone to be financially savvy and be aware of what's going on. You don't want to get stuck holding the bags ever. What's your, what, how much, how much would you save out of the pay? Like, what's, is there a golden rule X percent of your paycheck should be put into savings? Well, you know, obviously, like I said before, if you have a 401k, most employers are willing to match that, whether it's 2%, 6%. I think every individual should max that out. That's, that's free money that you're leaving on the table. And it even is. though you know it, you might need that money now, think about how much more you're going to need it later. Well, I mean, we're in the world, especially if your employer is given a generous match. Yeah. You know, um, where in the world can you get that kind of return? You can't. You're not. You're not. You know, no one's going to. The stock market won't match you six percent on every dollar you put. When in. you say max it out, what is? Is there like a typical number, like twenty thousand a year or something like that? What yeah. You know, I think it also depends on the employer and the industry it's, that you're okay. in. Okay. But uh, you know, I know for my particular company, they they offer six percent matching, and I think it's up to twenty percent of your annual salary, something like that. I know it's like one of those things where people are like, "Dude, I'm thirty five years old." That's the last thing I care about right now in my life. And it is. It's hard. Sure. Going back to Warren Buffett, we're a broke nation. We're, we're a pay, couple paychecks away from, from being completely in the hole. Yeah. You, you, you're just trying to stay, keep your head above water right now. You're like, I'll worry about 65 when I get there in 30 <laughs> fucking years. Like, this is, that's crazy. Exactly. It is. It's hard, it is. To, it's hard to see that. Yeah. Because the cost of living and all these things, and it's just, especially when you have a family... Mm-hmm. Like you want that extra couple hundred dollars in your in your bank account. It goes a long way. It, it does, and yeah. it, you know you need it. Yeah, you need it. It's and that's hard. that's the dichotomy. I mean, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Wow. But that's the challenge, and that's what separates the ultra wealthy from the people who live paycheck to paycheck. You got to make those sacrifices. So, is there a percentage though of, of the of a paycheck? Like, is it like ten percent of your paycheck should just put into the savings, or you're say it, it's just different for everybody. It's different for everybody, but I yeah. think whatever you save, you know, a penny saved is a penny earned. That 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 old cliche. Whatever you save, it's definitely going to benefit you, especially if you use it in the right way. Yeah, cash makes you cash, and, and that's a, a very important lesson to learn for all individuals. Yeah, yeah, that whole financial markets. I've always been intrigued by it. Yeah, because I don't understand it really well. Neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> you're just going. You're learning as you go, go right? Flow, exactly. You're learning as you go. Perception right. is reality in life, man. Yeah, it is. You got to be perceived. You got. You got to. You got to fake it till you make it. Yeah. That kind of thing. I'm pretty sure even the big wigs don't know what's going on. You know, sometimes just fake it. Till even you make even it. the the Warren Buffetts of the world. You know, you ask them how how did you get how did you get to where you are. Sometimes they will look at you like I really have no idea. Just <laughs> dumb luck. Just dumb luck. <laughs> just, you know, worked hard and got lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Put your money in the right places. Unreal, man. Yeah. Unreal. So how's uh, how's the dating life switching around to, to how's the dating my sister life? It's going great, man. Good, it's going good, great. man. She, good. she hasn't given me too many gray hairs yet. Yeah, you better start saving, putting away money for her. I'll yeah, tell you that. That's that's when I really started revving up my financial <laughs> analysis and uh, putting away money. Yeah, I'm really happy you guys are doing well, man. Thank you. You guys are a great couple. She's an awesome girl. She knows if it doesn't work out, you're sticking with us. (laughs) She's getting tossed to the curb, bro. I got it on camera now. You know, yeah, this is official. This is official. We'll we'll remind everybody. Yeah, man. That's great to see you guys. What about a year now? Yeah, yeah. Going a year strong. Yeah, this month will be a year. Guys moved in together. Yeah. Uh oh. We're roommates now. That's a huge step. It is. Isn't that weird how people? 
back uh, we talked about this I think too our parents generation they used to just get married and then they'd live with some they live with their spouse after they got after, married yeah and they and it's amazing they were probably more successful in their marriages back then than most people are now Absolutely. which is really but how in the world do you not live with somebody first just to see yeah. how do you know if it's going to work I mean that's that's a great point that's kind of why we moved in we thought that was the first step and the next step if you yeah know, you know and uh, it is it's an, it's part of that evolution it's part of the process I think. yeah and I mean to, to answer your question about you know how they stick around with each other having not lived with each other beforehand I think also the fact that you didn't have access to 200 million girls they're in their pictures on Instagram that's it right there man that kind of made it the pool was much smaller so you met somebody you guys had chemistry you just stuck it out that was it yeah when you met somebody you fucking clung to them for dear life yeah that was the difference yeah because now it's a dime a dozen it really is like yeah. oh, okay if it doesn't work out with this person I'll find somebody else the grass, tonight the grass is always greener it's so easy now man yeah it's almost like what I, I can say, like when you go to Vegas with your buddies, yeah. And it's like, oh, we're gonna have a great time in Vegas. Well, meanwhile, there's so many fucking girls in Vegas that you're with. You could be with some great, good-looking girls, but out of the corner of your eye, you see another you know? group in the other. <laughs> Next thing you know, you end up with nobody at the end of the fucking week because you're bouncing around to everybody. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's the same kind of thing now. Yeah. yeah. Back in the day, when you met someone, you clinged onto them, you made it work. You didn't want to lose it because you actually had to make it. You had to go see the person. You had to pick up the phone and call them. Sure, yeah. And now it's like, if it doesn't work, fuck it. I'll just just go back. I'll go out. text somebody else. Yeah, I'll just go back into the market. I'll go post a picture. Someone will send me a DM. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll hit it off from there. And so. it's, it's a sad way to live your life, but that's exactly how people do it nowadays. There's no, it is, man. Yeah. It's crazy. Family values have changed. It has. It has. So, uh, so you've got one more year of school. What do you see? What do you see for this? Is your last year in the twenties, right? Yeah, yeah, big time, man. man, big time. Yeah. Where do you see? What do you see for yourself? Like a year from now, where so, do you see yourself? So in a year from now, I definitely uh, want to be further along with my career. That's for sure. Definitely a little bit more involved in the financial world, as as you know. I'm I'm just kind of starting out, but um, you know, I want to be making the steps towards owning my own business within the next few years. Definitely want. You to. can, bro. You I definitely can. You you, you have the personality for it. You're smart. And most importantly, you're trustworthy. I appreciate that. That's really number do. one. That's huge in our industry. I, I mean, I see so many guys. I go, I would never give that guy a penny. <laughs> I mean, how does that guy have clients, right? Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. Don't you look at some of these guys oh, yeah. and go, how does that guy have even clients? Yeah. Whether they're in financial advising or accounting or a CP, whatever it is. Yeah, just CD sometimes, people. You know, sometimes you just go, I can't believe people trust that guy with their money. Yeah. Because, again, at the end of the day, people see someone who exhibits success. They see the, the slick hairdo or whatever. And they, they think, that's this guy's successful. Let me put my money with him without any concern as to. But don't you think trustworthiness has got to be the number huge, one? Huge. So in the CFA that I was telling you about, that's one of the major points, even more important than financial analysis, mm -hmm. is ethics and integrity. I mean, that that is really the cornerstone of our industry. Without that, you can't even get involved. So... That's really what the building blocks, the foundation that they're, and they hammer it in now at the college level. Whereas I think in, in the previous generation, it was just kind of a. Well, let's be honest, right? I mean, regardless of who you go with, your results are probably going to be the same. Sure. Most, right, with the yeah. plus or minus. Sure. I mean, if you give this guy $100,000, your return's probably going to be similar if you give it to this guy, this guy, or this guy. Absolutely. Right? Like, it's going to, at the end of the year, your result is going to be pretty much the same. Yep. So, who do you trust? 
Because that's really what it comes down to. Who do you like and who do you trust? You hit the nail right there on the head. That's all it comes down to. Absolutely. That's it, man. Yeah. That's that's it. So if you keep you hold yourself up high, you stay you know, you stay above the temptations, not you, just anyone in general. Sure. And you know how to relate to people and talk to people, you could be so successful in this world, man. Yeah. It just takes a little bit of honesty and some hard work. And yeah. Putting yourself out there, yeah, which is what you've been doing. Try, man. You've been putting yourself out there quite a bit, yeah. And it's not always, I'm sure, the most fun thing to do. No, you got a lot of doors slammed in your face. It's a very humbling experience. How do you handle that when somebody tells you no? So the key is just to, uh, you know, be comfortable with yourself, be comfortable in your own skin, and understand, hey, you know, this may be a no today, but it'll be a yes tomorrow. And as long as you maintain that level of integrity with yourself mm-hmm. and you don't deviate from your plan, right, things will work out in the long run. Just like the stock market, you know, you'll see a particular investment go up and down a hundred times. You can't pull your money out. You can't get the jitters. You have to stick to your plan. And, and how much more rewarding is it when somebody tells you no and then you finally get the yes, right? Oh, Sometimes yeah. Sometimes not, it's not great to have success right off the bat. Absolutely. Because you don't appreciate it. And no. then you don't work as hard for it. Yeah. No yeah. is a good thing. Being told no is an important thing in life. It's a character-building experience. Even at a young age. No. Absolutely. I want candy. No. Yeah. I mean, it could be anything. But it, it does. And then next time you get candy, you appreciate it. Absolutely. It tastes a little sweeter the next oh, time, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. It does, man. It does. How many kids do you see yourself having? I told Rena I want nine, so that's nine here. Right here. <laughs> Jeez, son. Holy shit. Yeah. You so better we, start stashing I was going to say, away. yeah, you asked me what about money. Not enough. <laughs> Talk to me after you have one. We'll see, <laughs> we'll see how fast nine nine disintegrates down to two. <laughs> oh my god! I told her eight boys and one girl. You know, but uh, yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I I think we're just gonna take it, play it by ear. Rena says three. She wants just like three's what a you good number. Said. Three's two boys good. and a girl. Yeah, yeah. In that order. Three's a lot. I would I would, I could easily be could have been convinced to be be two two and done. Two and done. Two's a good number. Listen, it, it's expensive, man. Oh it's expensive gosh. to take kids away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even to get on an airplane. Yeah. With a family of five. Airplane tickets are at least three, four, five hundred bucks each. I don't know how you do it, man. You do it with grace, as I always tell you. You make it look Thank very you, easy. Very easy. It's not always the easiest thing in the world. No. Especially being a single dad now with three girls. Mm-hmm. I don't have sons, so it's a little different with girls. They're expensive. You know, they're expensive. I'm a dad of the opposite sex. It's just, you know, it's just different. It's just, I don't know, man. But yep. I've, it's, it's, it's comes thankfully it comes somewhat natural to me. I was me. gonna say yeah. it comes very natural to you. It looks Thank effortless you. almost. If Thank you, you, brother. That's where I get the nine from. But we'll see. I'm not as, as graceful as you. It's like everything else. Things look one way, and then behind closed doors, it's, it's not quite as easy as it looks sometimes. Sure, you know. But they're great kids, man. Thank you. you Thank very you. Well, I'm lucky for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. You know, kids take work. I've learned um, it doesn't happen by accident. You know, you have to. I see kids out there. Some of them are so misbehaved, so rambunctious. That's all because of the way they're being raised. Brought up, yeah. I mean, listen, we know that there's nature and nur- there's nature and versus nurture, yeah. right? But when you put an eight-year-old next to another eight-year-old, and one of them acts like a an animal mm-hmm. and has no manners, and the other one has manners and says please and thank you and is respectful, where does that come from? Starts at home, man. Yeah. Starts and st- and finishes at home. At home Majority yeah. of it is at home. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about how you want to raise your kids. It's all about the way that you, the way that you handle, you know, the way that you handle the kids. Yeah, that's really what it comes down to. Absolutely. That's the only way that they learn. Mm-hmm. You know. And if they're acting like fools and they're acting jumping on for people's furniture and running around and screaming, and it's because their parents aren't doing. They're doing something wrong. 
Sure, yeah. I mean, that's the recipe. Parents dictate your future off. It's amazing how crazy, like, parents could really screw their kids up. Oh, yeah. That's everything. Oh, yeah. It's so easy. It's so easy to screw your kids up. Yeah, it's, it takes effort to do the right thing. It takes a lot of work to not screw them up. <laughs> it, it really does. And sometimes you could do all the right things, and they still end up screwed up. And then, so. if the, and then if that's the case, at least you say you did everything you could. Absolutely. But it's amazing how easy it is to just to, to really screw up a kid and how, how hard it is to make sure that they end up being being a good, respectful, young human being. Yeah, it's, it's very easy to fall between the cracks, as you want. It is, man. Yeah. It is. And there's so many of it nowadays. Oh, yeah. It's, there's nothing worse when you see, like, a young kid coming up and his parents are not interested in his life. Mm-hmm. And then he starts running around because nobody's showing him attention, so he starts running around with influences that probably are not good influences. And sure. Next thing you know, he's doing drugs. He's 14 years old. He's doing drugs. He's smoking. You see these kids, it's like, it's got to be the worst. Yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, I know Rena and I discussed this too. She she wants to be a stay-at-home mom because for her it's very important to raise the kids. And that is a full-time job if you think about it. It is. And if and, you do it the right way, it's beyond full-time beyond, job. It's 24 hours a day, it 7 is. days a week. Yeah, and she'll and, be amazing, man. Oh yeah. Oh, she yeah. will be at the top of she's she's she just has it. For sure. And that was one of the things I I picked up, you know, in my conversation with her right away on our first date. You could just tell that she's a a nurturing person. She's very positive. But she can also be a disciplinarian, too. (laughs) She could. She's got a good balance. Absolutely. But she'll be such a good mom. Yeah. She's chomping at the bit. Oh, I know. She's got all that practice with her her nieces and now her nephews. She's ready. She's ready, man. She's ready, She's ready. Yeah. Hey, bro, listen, this this was great. I'm glad you came on. It's already been almost 50 minutes. Um... Social media, how do people find you? How do they link up with you? He's on the market, folks. Yeah. If you, need, if you need somebody in your business, right? Yeah. Financial absolutely. sector. Yeah, financial analysis. I uh, do investments, portfolio management. So you can usually find me on uh, on LinkedIn, Daniel S. Perez. Um, that's usually the best place to find me. You can also find me on Instagram. I like the LinkedIn plug. Yeah. You know, right to the professional yeah, thing. Yeah, you know, professional does LinkedIn Does LinkedIn work? Oh yeah, it's good. Uh, absolutely, that's okay. where you sift, you know, the serious people from from the BSers of the world. You know? So it, it's still pretty popular for in the business world. Yeah, you can come right to my page. You can see my credentials, my background, what I'm doing. You can also see what you know some of the testimonials. So people who have worked with me. You can see some of the references that I have, and you know I think those speak for themselves. Whereas okay. I can sell you all day long on what I. So can Daniel do. Perez on uh, LinkedIn. What else? Anything uh, else? Instagram Daniel underscore Solomon twenty two. Okay. And, uh, yeah, those are my social media accounts. So. Check them out, you guys. I hope you guys took took away some great information. Financial, put money away. Put money away. That's the, the moral money. of the story That's is right. if there's one thing that you learn today is put your goddamn money away. <laughs> and if you don't put it away, at least start putting something into a 401k. It doesn't Absolutely. have to be a lot. It could be $20 a paycheck. Absolutely. Right? Just yep. start putting something away. Yeah, always remember the power of compounding interest. There you go, brother. Yep. Thanks for coming on, man. We'll do it again. You got it. All right, buddy. Thanks.